guys, welcome to episode 13. Now with this episode, I hope that it inspires those that listen to keep pushing forward no matter what obstacles are in your way because God has a higher purpose for you. So, dear black girl, me. Robin. Hey, hey. How are you today? I am good. I'm exhausted, but I'm good. How are you? Like I told you earlier, my life's in shambles right now. The universe, the universe. The universe with us. is it's okay. just messing with me all day since this morning. Like, I don't know how I got up early and still got here late, so. Okay, that commuter life, I get it. So, Robin, give us a breakdown of everything you do, because I know you do a lot. <laughs> I do a lot. Um, I am a music journalist and digital content strategist. Um, so primarily I have a publication called thetakeover.com that I launched for emerging artists um, while like merging their culture with old school hip hop. Um, and I'm also an editor at Blavity and again, digital content strategy. So for those same artists that I funnel through my site or even artists that haven't been featured, I kind of break down their digital, make sure they have press that makes sense, online presence, things like that. So with the takeover, like what gave birth to that? Oh, honestly. <laughs> um, so I've always wanted to be, I knew I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't actually know that I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't know that that's where I'd end up. Um, but let's say my senior year of high school, I had, um, I took a journalism class and my teacher was just like, look, you'll be gold. This is what you need to do with your life. Go for it. Um, and he kind of funneled me into broadcast journalism. So in college, I took that route. I was trying to do television. And um, the way to the television station in my school at the time was through the radio station. And I never wanted to do radio, wasn't interested, didn't care. Um, but intern at the radio station, you're supposed to do an entire semester. I got a show after like four days. Um, and the takeover was birthed that way. I initially wanted it to just be a platform for all types of creatives, not just artists, just to share their talent, talk a little shit. Can I curse on here? Yes. Um, <laughs> Everyone asks that question like, yeah. Talk a little shit. And it was just supposed to be like a safe space to have fun as a creative and like wind down. Um, and we did really well. And after a while, though, I kind of got not bored with radio, but it wasn't, I wasn't in love with it the way that I was in love with just connecting to artists, period. And during that same amount of time, I was working at Violator Records. So I, while working at Violator, one thing I realized in the media, all the sites that I like to visit, it was the same type of content every single site you went on. Um, and if there was an upcoming artist that was featured, it just wasn't a good release at all. It wasn't like good press. So I launched thetakeover.com to kind of combat that and give artists a space for quality press that they don't have to pay for that could be like first of many features for them. Long story, really short. <laughs> that's funny to me because um, that's not the first time I've ever heard of like artists paying for like press, but like not via publicist, like just paying like actual sites for press. And the first time I caught away with that, I was like, that's crazy. Why do, why do exactly. people do that? It's ridiculous. And that I didn't, when I initially got into journalism, I didn't realize that was a thing until I started being poached by larger publications to write for them and such. Um, and they literally have quotes for rising artists. And it could be like 50 bucks for two lines, as much as like I've seen $500 for full page releases on the publication themselves. Then in addition to that, it just gets buried. Like it, it's not a front page feature. It doesn't get, once they post Drake, then that one goes away. Like just doesn't do anything for the artist. So you have a lot of artists that are rising and emerging and talented, but don't have enough of a budget to pay every single pub 500 bucks for a good feature that's going to last 50, 50 minutes, essentially. Um, so I hated that. I never liked the pay for pay, the pay for play structure or pay for print. Um, and then on top of that, if they were going to pay for it, it still wasn't good. It mm -hmm. just it just bothered me. So as journalists, I don't we're we have a responsibility to report. We have to report honestly. And that pay structure was never a part of journalism as I knew it. So I just wanted to break that. So with music, you think people started doing that because you don't get paid like that. Right. <laughs> Right. So people started to come up with like little hustles to get themselves paid and it just became a universal thing. Because I know a lot of people that do that. I'm just sitting there like, 
but it takes away quality because as long as this person can pay you, it's just like they're co-signing this shitty shit. And I'm just like, exactly. am I messed up? Because I don't like their music, but everyone else is everywhere. It's not messed up. You're not messed up. You're saying um, I do think that it came from people needing a hustle, especially in media. I'll be honest, it's very difficult to make money as a freelancer unless you have some clout or unless you're like really skilled as a writer and understand how to get into the right places. So I get that piece, but I don't know. There's a million different ways to hustle. I don't, I, and it's kind of like the blind leading the blind almost because just because you're an intern at xyz.com doesn't mean that you now have the air or the talent to charge somebody $150 for a four line blog post just because you're there. Like, no disrespect, but all disrespect. Like, that's just like, it's, I know so many people that do it. And I, I mentor a few young ladies that used to do the same thing at their pubs. Um, and I'm like coaching them out of that and showing them how there are other ways to make money on the internet such as content strategy or consulting or a million different things. If you're talented and you hustle, you're going to eat regardless. So you don't need to actually take from the people that can't afford to dish it out, in my opinion. But, you know, however you get your paper, however you're going to get your paper. I am just not getting it that way. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what keeps you going? Because I know writing, some people fall out of love with writing and just like, I don't know, like the hustle and bustle of it all can be like super stressful. It is incredibly stressful. I actually have had probably the most stressful summer of my entire life. Um, And I was just explaining to somebody last night that I have not written anything since July. Ultimately, though, what keeps me going is knowing that I have, like, a bigger purpose. When I do go missing, a lot of readers tend to email me. I get a lot of DMs. I get a lot of responses like, hey, no posts going up, or did you fire everybody, (laughs) or did you guys quit, or what's going on? Um, And that kind of, like, national support from so many people that I don't know does help and make me realize that I do have a bigger purpose and it's bigger than just me. Um, so I have to like force myself out the funk. So I'll do like R&B walks. I actually got that from Lindsay India. Shout out to her. Um, but there was a time that I was writing a really big piece. I think that was Ibrahim Hamad, um, Jeanville. And I was writing an interview on him and I sat on this interview for like three months because it just wasn't happening the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, just go clear your head. Like, find a dope R&B playlist. Go walk by the water or take a hike or something and come back to it. And I did that and it worked. And I banged out the piece in like four hours and dropped it like two days later after that conversation. So now whenever I need to like reset or get back into that space, that's what I do. Just find a killer playlist. I might hit the gym um, or go for a walk. Right now, fitness is kind of life for me. Um, that's why I'm wearing my gym clothes because I have a session later. Um, but that has been helping get me out of the depressive slump and creative slump that I've been in all summer. Let's talk about, see, I always butcher their name. Okay. It's, how you say, Blativity? Blavity. Blavity, there Yeah, it's like black and gravity. <laughs> Every time I see it, I I call it something else. I was like, I know that's not how you say it, but this is my version of it. Blavity. You're not the only person. Don't so worry. how did you link up with Blavity? Um, that, how did I? Okay. So Blavity has a really awesome um, front-facing submissions, open submissions platform, similar to Huffington Post, but better because mm-hmm. black. Um, and what they do was as you, as a writer, you can just submit a piece to them and if they like it, they will publish it. Um, back in February, a friend of mine, um, is a personal trainer and he was doing this amazing fitness boot camp. You talking about Zeus? Yes. Okay. You know him? Okay, cool. <laughs> I think I'm going to like once through Jameer. He was doing, um, a super dope fitness boot camp called Inner You. And um, in the month of February, it was all, it was Black History Month. So every single camp was dedicated to Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you had to do burpees and say the names of every Black person that was murdered by a police officer. It was phenomenal. Um, And I had a friend that was an editor at Blavity. I'm like, hey, I want to cover this um, for Blavity. I don't need you guys to pay me. I just want it done. And she pitched a story on my behalf instead of me going through the submissions route. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, cool. If she can write it, sure. (laughs) So I wrote it. I um, published it. It did really well. And then I ended up meeting the 
the managing editor emailed me like three days later, like, hey, we want to bring you on. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> I, I got a whole job and a whole publication of my own. I don't know about this. Um, but I met him in person. The vibes were great. They were familiar with my writing. So they offered me a staff writer position. And then they took that back because they decided I, sh- I was better suited as an editor um, just because of my writing experience. And I've been with them ever since. That's dope. Yeah, that's how, like, a lot of people don't realize that the way into a lot of publications, though, are submissions. Like, I know people think they have to email. I mean, they have to intern for months and things like that. And oftentimes that is the case. But if you have a great pitch and can get in front of an editor and really execute, that is ample opportunity for freelance freelance positions moving forward or permanent submissions. Or if they do have, like, an open submission platform like a Blavity or a HuffPost or... There are a few pubs that do it that way. Her agenda, I think, as well. Um, putting Being a consistent contributor through that gets you noticed. Actually just hired two people for Blavity by way of submissions. So you guys hear that? If you're into <laughs> writing. <laughs> you want to be a writer, that's what you got to do. All right, so let's get into these songs. Song number five. Oh, okay. So I like was so mad at you for making me do this <laughs> because to choose five songs that identifies my entire life was hard as as fuck um but i i was able to not find five songs that's taken me through like my entire career transition so i'm mm-hmm. gonna do it like that because i think work is <laughs> is my life cool cool all right so song number five is the autograph by j cole it that record is so important to me that the opening line is tatted on my arm um they say everything's possible you got a dream like you've never seen obstacles I have been probably repeating that every day since 2008, which is when I started writing um, and when I totally decided that music was what I wanted wanted to do. But especially as a woman, especially as a black woman, music is hard as fuck. No yes. matter what capacity, whether you're writing or you're actually at a label or whatever the case is, music and media are both extremely difficult and they're very trying. So again, I came from Violator Records and I was young when I was there and I saw some things. Like (laughs) it was, I never, my parents always told me like that was just not, this was not the industry for a young lady in any capacity. Um, And in so many ways they were right. But when you know, you know, you know, it kind of like Chris Lydio, he told me one time that music, like nobody actually chooses this sanely. Music mm-hmm. just chooses you, and you can't ever get away from it. Um, and I've tried to get away from it a million times, um, and I always end up, like, right back in it. So that line gets me through my toughest days, and it's, like, serves as a daily reminder. Like, dream big. It's okay. The obstacles are going to get... Obstacles are going to exist, but you got to persevere through it. No, because that's funny, because um, people that are in music, sometimes you think to yourself, like, what? fuck am I doing <laughs> Right, right. And, like, when you try to go look for different jobs, it's just like, nah, not, nothing fits. And yeah. it's just like you're sanely volunteering to do... Self-destruct. Yeah, like, to <laughs> have meltdowns every five days, stress yes. all the time. Like, you're volunteering to do this. And it's, I don't know if it was, like, a mental crazy thing or what, but it's just, like... I don't... That's something I never understood. Einstein was crazy, too, though. That's what I always say. Like, he was, <laughs> he was insane. Um, the most brilliant people in the world are, like, batshit nuts. <laughs> I feel like that's everyone in music. But, like, our purpose is so much greater than, than what's visible to anyone else, right? So that's why those that are truly immersed in it can never really leave. And the insanity never goes away. Like, the most successful people in music that I know cry every single day and need therapy so you know it's one of those things but it doesn't it, it chooses you you don't choose it I know. and then um i'm trying to remember okay i said it on this podcast once and i'm trying to remember the lady's name she's so famous but i can't think of her name Uh-oh. right now she's on um shit she's on page six tv you know what let me see if i can find it this is i feel like i know exactly who you're talking about hold on let's see if i can find it this is going to bother me. And I feel like I saw her on my Instagram yesterday. I saw her on my Instagram right? yesterday, too. <laughs> oh, hold no. on. I think I text someone about this. Shit. We're going we're gonna to find this for y'all. We're going to get together. Uh, okay. That means I text this. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Bevy? Yes. There we go. Okay. Bevy. <laughs> there we go. 
She she's amazing, by the way. I, I met her like twice through uh, Ween. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with Ween? I met her through there, and she's just like, she's just a ball of ass kicking, go getting. Her magic. story is crazy. <laughs> so like, yeah, I I said it on a podcast with her uh, recently, and she was talking about, and it's so weird because like. You see people that are like in like positions you're trying to get to, mm-hmm. and just to like hear them share stories where they're going through the same thing you're struggling with, trying to get to whatever their next level is, is like the same exact thing. You're just like, Absolutely. well, shit, will this shit ever end? No. And the thing that really stood out was when they were speaking about how it's it's really hard for Black women in media because like everyone says there's a space for all of us, but when you look at it, it's really not true. Which is unfair. It's so unfair. So unfair. And then I feel like like spaces like this, like this podcast and so many other empowerment networks or just entertainment entities that foster good relationships between black women are so important because there aren't enough space for us. But at the same time, we're always competing with each other. And that's okay, right? Like that's the nature of the business, but we can compete and still empower. And I feel like that doesn't happen enough. But this has probably been like a really good year for that or for those conversations too. So shout out to you being at the forefront of the movement. <laughs> shout out to you for that. Let's get into song number four. Song number four is Drake Unforgettable. Okay. Right? All right. So I have everybody like flames me for this, but I absolutely love Drake. Um but I remember mixtape Drake. I was like, I October's love mixtape Drake. Right? Mixtape Drake is incredible. And I feel like um, Drake was the first artist ever that I predicted was going to blow and go mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never forget it. He still owe me money, not Drake. <laughs> but there was a particular exec in 2008 when I was at Violator. Um, and I used to, you remember MySpace, right? Top mm-hmm. 8 was my, like, my thing, but it was never my friends. It was always, like, musicians that I followed. Um, and I remember making a bet with an exec that was at Violator. Like, give Drake two years and he is going to take over and never come off the charts. Like, never. And they didn't believe me. Like, not one person in that <laughs> artist, in that office, I'm sorry, saw what I saw from him. Um, and look at him now. So, Unforgettable... One, I think, is that album my favorite of Drake's? It's not my favorite, but it's special um, to me. And it's literally just screaming everything like I want. I, I want to be the best. I want to like leave this earth and have people say that I'm the greatest. I was the best at this and I would be missed, essentially. Um, I want to be unforgettable. And in this business, it's difficult because people come and go so often. Um, and I'm just not going anywhere. So that that was that for me. Next day, Drake. I remember um, the first video I saw from him. I think it was like replacement girl. And it came oh on, my shit! It came on Noggin. <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw that, I was just like, wait, I couldn't take it serious because Degrassi had just came off, and I just saw him in a wheelchair. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 wait. And then, and then, like two years later, best I ever had, and all that came out. But like that was just like one of those wait, wait. Time's out. I don't understand right now. (laughs) I think that was like the biggest shock to everybody that was actually a Degrassi fan. And I also had like a crazy crush on Wheelchair Jimmy. That's the craziest thing, right? (laughs) So I have like a history of liking one. I'm a I'm just an advocate for the underdog period, as you can obviously tell. Um, But with my men, too, I never like go for the super duper sexy one. I go for, like, the kind of awkward but creatively stimulating, and he was always that for me. So I was just like, I knew he was going to be a zaddy. And, like, look at this. Look at him now. I know. Like, <laughs> even before, like, he started, because, like, I will say now, like, Drake now and Mixtape Drake are two different people. Oh, yeah. Drake now is just, like, I can do without. But Mixtape Drake, I remember he had this, uh, he did, redid Chris Brown's Take You Down, and that was my shit in That, college. I remember that. I that remember that. That was my remake. shit. Just like I'm double cups to to the banger, <laughs> <laughs> like that is my shit. And like whenever I play, people are like, "What the fuck is this?" I was like, "Yo, this is mixing." You don't Drake. even know. This is heartbreak. You and it was like heartbreak, know. Drake. Heartbreak, Drake. Yeah. Yeah, I was like and that mixtape. I like, I I don't want to say that I can do without current Drake. 
I can't. I still can't. Um, I feel like he has allowed himself to, like, graduate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he did what he wanted to. He made the music that he really wanted to make, I feel. I feel like all Drake fans like us, like, we know that and we'll always have that. But now he's put himself in a position to, one, make a shit ton of money and, two, make music for the masses, which he wasn't doing before, while still being his, like, charming-ass self. So I think it's it's a it's a happy place for him. I get it. It's mainstream, but mainstream is what it is. Yeah, because I remember back in the day, it's like, yo, Drake can't drop a song in a minute. What the mm-hmm. fuck? I need a Drake song. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like, eh. Now you don't need music. it, but you don't notice when you don't have it. Like, I, I'm, if a summer goes by, uh, have we had a Drake-less summer? Uh, no. I don't think so. We haven't had a Drake-less summer, actually. But Drake mm. hasn't had, like, even though Drake put out... His playlist thing, it wasn't really like summertime Drake on That's it. That's true. Like, it's just like uh. his playlist thing. <laughs> apparently, it's not an album; it's a playlist. So, <laughs> probably my least favorite release of his ever. So, I, I get that. Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, views. Views was your least favorite. Views is my least favorite. I liked views. I didn't love views, but I, I liked views. I like this. Was it? Um, Whatever just came out now, it's more, I don't know, I just call it more in your head top. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> but that playlist, I like that more than me. Okay. <laughs> well, New Drake, uni's not for you, but you still got a home. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, just not all the time. Okay. Fair. Song number three. Song number three. This goes to Hope. Um, the inspiration of my whole life. Heart of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you you know exactly. Did yeah, you I can't actually stop go humming to, it? <laughs> did you go to Made in America this year? No. The okay. last time I seen Jay Z perform was on the run. Yeah, okay. on the run. I, I didn't go see it for four for four though. But last time I saw him was on the definitely run. going for four for four. But I've never seen this man perform live, and I've seen like really? everybody. Never seen him until Made in America. Okay, right. Um, and his performance at Made in America, like. Brother, it was so freaking emotional for me. Like, emotional is how, one, because I've never seen him. And two, it was like a visual reminder that, all right, you're you're on the right track. Like, this is actually part of why you started. He's like your namesake for your site. He's everything. And everything I feel like I do or have done with the takeover, I've done for my city, Brooklyn, New York. Um, but people don't always fuck with you. That's what it. That's it. And that's what I feel like I wasn't prepared for. Um, I've always been semi-popular, you know, like in schools or social circles or whatever. I was always kind of like the social butterfly. And when TakeOver started to do well, that was not the case anymore. People that um, used to support me once they saw me doing a little better, they didn't. Um, and I didn't understand why. Because, you know, people people say everybody wants you to do well, but just but not better, better than, than them. Yeah. Um I never believed that. Like, that was never... Because I want everybody to do well, like... So I never actually believed that to be true until about a year and a half ago. Um, people were... There was a very, very close friend of mine that actually got into TakeOver's back end and shut it down, like, wiped everything out. I know! Oh, no. Crazy, right? Oh, no. <laughs> to this day, he denies it. Um, but I, I traced the IP because I got mad friends in tech. Oh, I had mad friends in tech at the time. Um, and it was it was him. Um, but like heart of the city, when when we started to do well, I feel like the one place I did it for didn't support me. Like I didn't have the love here. I was getting love in California and Chicago and Atlanta and like New York just like wasn't fucking with me. Fucking with me. I felt like a rapper. Right? I felt like, you know, so many dope-ass rappers here that like, they, there's New no York love here. Yeah. New York don't support New York. And I always like, nah, that's not true. We bring that shit back. We gonna be okay. Until it was me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Like, ain't no love here. And it is, I don't feel like that's the case anymore. Um, I just feel like we're in a space that's incredibly competitive. This is a city of dreams. People come here to win and like live their best life. So you just have to be tough enough to navigate that. But again, even within competition, there's definitely space for all of us to eat. Um, so if we were more collaborative opposed to competitive, period, like we do better. But, you know, that's, that's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's something I never understood, too, because, like, you can, like, see the shift where people just, like, slowly start to view you different and act different towards you. It was like, what's going on? Yeah, like, why are you acting different? Like, yeah. you should be happy for me, right? Like, everybody can't go with you, but a lot of people can go with you, you know? Um, And I, even around that time, I had put myself in a position with Takeover where I was able to employ people. I was able to pay people. I was able to give um, not just artists that I was featuring, but I was able to give correspondents and writers an opportunity to get 100,000 views on their piece or whatever the case was. And it just, I felt like the people that really should have been there just weren't anymore. And there was, where's the love? There was none. <laughs> like, there was none. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. Hope is my spirit animal. I'm waiting for the day I can meet him. <laughs> no, actually, I'm really no. Waiting I've for actually, that day. okay, no, okay. I've never met Hove, but I've been in Hove presence, and that was just too much for me. I imagine. I like, party with Hove like... would be in my Twitter bio. <laughs> like, you need for to real? make that a thing. No, I'm not going for that. Please make that make that a thing. Um, but yeah, he's like the he's the. I'm not even going to, and I get flamed for this too. I'm never, I will not say that he is my favorite rapper. He is not, he's mm-hmm. not, he's not my number. I don't even know if I have a favorite because I connect with storytelling from so many different people. Um, but he's the one person I feel like taught me how to hustle. Um, it's like he fathered me and I grew up with my dad, but you know what I mean? But like he, he fathered me like every time I wanted to quit there was a whole record that I could go back to or something would come onto the radio that re- just reminds me, like, if this dude from Marcy Projects, which was only 20 minutes away from me, can, like, come up, hustle his way out, then what is your excuse, right? Like, you can actually do it. So it doesn't matter who's praying on your downfall. Nothing matters. You're going to bounce back and keep hustling. And nothing's like a, um, I don't know. Sometimes I get crucified for saying for saying this. That's why I rarely say it. But, like, all right, so, because I grew up in Maryland, and, like, I really didn't grow up with hip-hop just in the other. So, I remember when I first came here, mm-hmm. everyone was like, ho, ho, ho. And I was like, I, I wasn't understanding <laughs> at all. And I was like, I know his music, but I'm just like, I'm not, it's not clicking at all. And I, maybe it's because, like, even, like, listening, I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand. So then, what came out? I think when I first moved up here, American Gangster had came out. And then, like, I was slowly getting an idea of it. And then Blueprint 3 came out. I was like, no, 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 no. Not it. <laughs> Imagine where I started. <laughs> and then, and then like, I, I love Kanye. Like, Kanye is amazing. I love Kanye. Even though he's batshit crazy, I love that man. Gotta <laughs> be crazy it. for this. And so when Watch Your Throne came out, mm-hmm. That was one of those, he kind of clicked on a level that I understood. I was like, oh, shit. I think I like him. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back, and I started to get it more. Before that, I was like, nah, I don't, I don't, know, man, I don't <laughs> understand it. And now it's just like, oh, shit. So then, like, when I finally went to my first Hove concert, I think it was Magna Carter Holy Grail. That was my first Hove concert. I go to concerts a lot. I don't stand up, scream, this and the other. But there's probably been, like, two concerts I've mm-hmm. been to that I'm singing and screaming the entire time. And that was his and Kanye. Different. Yeah. It's a different experience live. It's so different. It's different. I think um, a lot of people that aren't from New York don't connect with him because he's, whether people want to admit it or not, Hove is mafioso. Like, he is, he's slinging street tales, and that's all he's done. That's what we know. He's just incredibly clever. Um, and a lot of people from outside of here can't relate to that. You know, like if you didn't grow up in Brooklyn in the 90s, you probably don't under understand. And I mean, and that's saying a lot, too, because I'm not saying that I grew up in the worst of the worst. I didn't have the most privileged privileged life, but I wasn't exposed to um, street shit, ultimately. But you get it, especially when you get a little older. Like, I probably, I didn't really connect with Hove until I immersed myself into hip-hop. Um, and then there are things that he talks about that I remember seeing flashes of occasionally. The same things that my parents tried so hard to protect me from. He's the one that showed me that they were actually real, you know? 
Um, so outside of the city, like, it's, it's different. You're from Maryland, right? Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of friends from Maryland. Like, all my friends are from, like, all my Maryland friends are from PG County. I feel like that's the only place in Maryland. <laughs> um, is that where you're from? Yeah. See, see what I'm saying? That's, like, the only place. Nobody's from anywhere else. Um, but, like, they all don't get it. Like, none of them actually get it. I'm like, you didn't live this life. You didn't see any of it. You didn't experience late nights walking home from the train station being scared of I for know, your life and shit like that. that shit right it's it's different um and i think my like when i got immersed in hip-hop was simultaneous where i probably got like my first dose of danger mm-hmm. um which i won't really talk about but like it's different growing up in new york city especially if you were a kid from like brooklyn harlem or the bronx is just really different from Anywhere a lot else. of other places. Yeah. yeah. I like that when I first moved up here. I was like, yo, kids up here grow fast as shit. Yep. Yep. They go, they're going to the corner store in the supermarket by like five years old. By the time, I'm just back. like, where the fuck is your parents? <laughs> it's like, don't worry, she in the house. I got keys. It's oh cool. my God. It's, like, it's, it's, you have to grow up fast here. You have to. Like, only the strong survive. That's like not a joke. Except now. Life. I don't know. It's gentrified now. We're all whitewashed, so. Yeah, it is. <laughs> New York City is feeling like a big ass suburb these days, so I don't know. But um, song number we want two, three, three. Okay, no four. Song no, number four. We did five. Yeah, that was the autograph. Unforgettable. Heart of the city. Two. Two. Oh yeah, we're going that way. Got it. <laughs> um, so a lot of people probably won't know this record, but again, I'm like an indie pioneer. So cause can't knock the hustle. Oh. <laughs> My whole shit. So obviously it's an ode to Hove. So I kind of cheated there. But <laughs> Kaz is like one of my favorite rising MCs. And I feel like he does not get his just do at all. Um, and it's difficult to do that when when you're on Dreamville, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we have Boz on Dreamville that does well. We have Ari Lennox, who's amazing. But as a rapper, that's incredibly lyrical when you're when you're under a J. Cole. It's like the Hove effect. Like Cole, nobody cared about Cole while he was Rock Nation. Like it was hard. It was very so difficult hard, for people yeah. to care. So I feel like that's the same thing that a lot of Dreamville artists um will go through. Same thing for Kendrick's artists, etc. But Kaz in particular, he's just like a rock star, lyrically complex. And Can't Knock the Hustle, besides it being an ode to Hove, is everything I probably feel on a day-to-day. Um, like, I'm going to keep at it no matter what, and I'm not going to be different. So you might see me in a, a dad cap and leggings walking into a meeting where I'm meeting where there's like a billion-dollar contract on the line. Well, I've never seen that kind of money, but <laughs> I've seen a lot of money. Um, or I've had to negotiate contracts with a lot of money on the table and I've never diverted from being this girl. So it's just like, I am this, I am chill, I'm cute, I love hip hop, I'm a writer and that's it. You know, um, and Kaz has that same kind of unapologetic way of existing. Um, and Cole on the record doesn't hurt either. <laughs> um, so, but his 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 mantra of like, I've been quiet for way too long, been patiently waiting for way too long. Like, fuck it. We, we don't have time to wait anymore. Like, I have, I feel, taken my time with music because I wanted to make sure I broke in honestly in the way that I wanted to. Um, and sometimes when you do that, it takes a lot longer, especially in the age of social media where you could just flash a titty and I got a lot of titty, right? You could just flash <laughs> a titty and, like, go Boom. viral and everybody cares and I don't want to do that. Um, so... It's it's that same kind of thing. He has to figure out who he is under a coal in the age of social media where you have to be something to be something. Um, and I'm going through that same thing, just a little different. So, like, the people that it takes longer for, those are the people that, like, last, last longer. longer. Absolutely. I feel like when you, you, you rise fast, you fall fast. Um, and I think that's a lot that, a bunch of people don't realize in a social media age because they're trying so hard to keep up. Um, but like you said, how do you maintain that for a long time, right? If if that selfie with that cleavage that you posted and that highlight got you 
15,000 likes or whatever the case, because it was shared on Baller Alert. Are you going to do that three times a week so you can stay on top of things? Are you going to, for like the journalists, I know so many journalists that strictly stick to mainstream people because of views and things like that. But what is going to happen when you can't get that interview, right? What's going to happen when you get that interview and it doesn't go well? Because we've all had bad interviews. Let's mm-hmm. be real. Like, we've, <laughs> we've all had those moments. Um, so when you're, when, when you're relying on a look to carry you, nobody's looking at you forever. That's just the reality of it. Whereas start small and work your way up and build those relationships and foster them and take care of them and you will have longevity longevity ultimately. I feel like I'm in um, a good place because I've done that for so long. So there's a lot of people that know me. I get offers for jobs at labels that I just don't want. Um, there's just, you know, I've I've been around long enough to create great relationships just about everywhere that I want so far. Um, And those same relationships will be able to carry me, I feel, for a long time. But if you're looking at me and just looking at me, then that doesn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? So that's what it is. (laughs) That's what it is. Song number one. Number one, I have to give it to my girl, SZA. Go, Gina. Damn, Gina. So that is where I am in my life. <laughs> like, that I... Go, Gina is just, like, despite all the shit that I've gone through, despite this depressing-ass summer, I I feel good. Like, today, I feel good when I can I can look back on everything I've done or, like, forget anything before this year even, but, like... This year alone, I've probably spoken on a corporate panel every single month. The summer I turned five of them down because depression. Um, but like I've spoken on a panel every month. I'm, I have so many clients um, on the artist side that are paying me to help them. And I'm making money independently. And TakeOver broke 500,000 unique visitors for the first time ever. And I had three viral interviews and so on and so forth. Like a lot has happened and I feel like Sometimes we get into our moments where we're just like, nothing's happening today or this week and what the fuck. Um, and I what the fuck myself a lot, right? Like we're our, we are our biggest critics ever. Um, and I don't think we take enough. We don't take enough time to appreciate the strides that we have made or acknowledge them for ourselves. We want everybody else to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when everybody else is doing it, though, it, it's difficult to live up to that kind of pressure. Um, so I'm at the point now, Gogina is just like, you're dope as fuck. Like, celebrate yourself, treat yourself, enjoy yourself. Like, you're you're dope. Um, and that's why I am. I've been low-key grinding even through my depression um all summer. And people don't know that I'm I'm doing as much as I am. Um, and Takeover's making like a crazy comeback in October as well that I'm very excited about. So yeah. SZA, shout out to her. She gets me. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the thing that triggered your summer depression? Oh, girl. This is the therapist now. Um, what triggered it? So I'm going to be totally candid. I won't say the name. But when you are, there's this game of little fish, big fish that exists in entertainment, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have a series on the takeover called The Blueprint. <laughs> this basically gives it away. I have a series on the takeover.com called The Blueprint, and it's long-form interviews with um, hip-hop's behind-the-scene elite. So I've done Ibrahim Hamad, Rob Markman, Raekwon, and I'm missing someone, and I feel awful. Who am I missing? There's another one. I don't remember at the moment. Um, but there's been four. They've all gone viral, and they're they're paying a homage to, like, old-school print Mm-hmm. Features that were long form and super introspective and really dope stories. Um, and nobody else was doing that, especially in the indie space. And these are people that have created your favorite artists or worked with your favorite artists. And it really just shows how they're able to do that. Um, so my readers, I held a poll online to transition it, asking my readers if they wanted me to transition it to a video um, piece. And the votes were, yes, do video. Um, and I was going to figure out how to keep the long form somehow. Long story extremely short, there was an editor at a very large 
media publication that was a fan of that series. Um, and he saw me like at a party one day and we were talking and he was like, yo, love it. You should do video, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, it's coming. Like we did a poll. Thank you for the support. Like when it's done, I'll shoot it to you. Cool. Um, and he, he made a statement. He was just like, I'm so jealous. I didn't think of it first. And I'm like, it's cool. Um, and then two months later, this series is on that site in video format. And I already said the name, so it's going to be very easy to find. Um, and that broke me, like, completely. I feel like, one, let's be real, the internet is internet. People steal all the time. Yeah. And I, this is not the first time that's happened. Probably every big publication you think of that specializes in music has scraped content from the takeover you send the cease and desist, people take it down or they cite you and it's cool, right? Yeah. It's fine. Um, but when it's that blatant and you can't do anything about it because intellectual property laws are so complex um, and almost minimal when you have no money or don't have a lot of money, um, it's tough. So, and I put myself in a position where my work is my life. And that's probably why it even broke me, right? Because I felt Robin J and The Takeover are synonymous. So without The Takeover, without this, what am I or who am I really? Um, so when this happened and I was, I was, people kept sending, people kept sending it to me. Like people were just like, isn't it yours? Isn't it yours? And I'm like, all right, all right. Like, stop. I couldn't get away from it. No matter what I did, I couldn't get away from it. And it really really broke me I got to a point I was like you know what fuck this if they're gonna keep stealing from me and not pay me or not cite me or not even bring me into their own production of it and figure out a way to collaborate fuck this I don't want to do it shutting the takeover down boom I made the decision to shut the site down um and that decision was just not the best for my mental health once I stopped I I mean crying every day fits at work, like spazzing on people. And I didn't understand what was wrong. Like I couldn't figure out why am I like this? And it's because the one thing that I love, I don't have anymore. And I don't have it because of me. I don't have it because I'm the one that gave it up. So sure, they stole it. But are you going to fight? Like you always fight. Are you going Are you going to bounce back? Or are you just going to like lay down and take it? What are you going to do? And I laid down and sat in it. Um, and I'm just like now crawling out of it. Um, but yeah, that's what sparked my summer depression. That's crazy. Yeah. It, I would it's be a lot. Too, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'll be so I'll be so distraught that I would not yeah. it was weird. Like I wouldn't it's it's different if you see something and you're inspired by it and you take from it. But if you like blatantly like copyright it, it's just like The name uh, is the same, Uni. Like it's the the name is the same. It's so yeah. It's so bad. I'm I'm glad that you can say that though. That you'd be distraught too. A few people that I spoke with, and I think that's part of the reason it took me so long to get out of it. They were just making it making me feel like, girl, you got a million amazing ideas. So just do something else. Like just do it. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> like shit what like that. Come up with. Like what? Um, and it's not like they're wrong. I, 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 I sit on these things and I consult other publications and sell these things and sell these ideas and produce them. And that's dope. I do have a million ideas, but when, when it's a passion project and I feel like I didn't even get the chance to do it my way. Right. Like I felt like I let people down too. Like I asked my readers, I said, y'all want video? They said yes. And I took too long. I didn't give it to them um, in times. So I blamed myself a lot. And you can't rush processes, especially creative processes. You can't, um, which is just why I hadn't released anything. Um, but everyone, a lot of people that I spoke with were just like, all right, girl, don't worry. You'll be fine. Like, don't stress. I think you should still do it. Because here's the thing. Okay. like <laughs> Jameer said the same thing. Even if um someone, like, they blatantly take your idea to send the other, like, the way you see stuff and envision stuff is different. So it's like, because this is something you originally planned and thought out, just because they did it doesn't mean you should not do it. Yeah. 
Because, like, it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to still do my idea. Like, I, I'm the originator of this idea. And the way I envision it, it's not exactly how you try to do it. It's not. It's so, it's just not. So I'm still, <laughs> I'm going to still keep my name. I'm going to still do it. It's <laughs> my shit. It's still my shit. <laughs> you going to help me produce it, Uni? You going to help me? I will help you. All it's right, still cool. my shit. I'm going to still do it. It's still my name. And... Yeah, we're just gonna be out here two blueprints. <laughs> we gonna be two blueprints out here. You're right. You are definitely right. I can't even. I can't even lie. You're right. I think you are only. There are only three people that said stick to it, and you're the third. Um, so Jameer is number one. Shout out to him. Um, a good friend of mine, Ali Olivier. She runs a dope site called BrooklynButter.com. And um, now you. <laughs> um, it's I can't lie, though. It's it's I want to. Um, but it is I'm still so I think I'm still angry. This is definitely an episode of the therapist now. <laughs> I think I'm still angry and I haven't let that hurt that's attached to it go. Um, and like even this morning, somebody sent me an episode. I'm just like, I want y'all to leave me the fuck alone. Like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. Um, but I would have to, to get myself back into a space creatively to produce the blueprint specifically, I'd have to relinquish all anger. And I haven't yet. That's why I'm like working out so much. Cause I'm just trying to get that part of me out, like that anger out. Um, I'm producing other things which are great and um, it's cool to be back in that space. But like that project specifically, like it hurts. And like it's so blatant, like, and this part is my fault. So here's a gem for you guys. Don't like, even in a party, make someone find, sign a motherfucking N- NDA <laughs> before in a non-compete before you tell them anything. Um, but when we went over, when he was telling me he was a fan and asked me about the video and said he should have thought of it and blah, blah, blah. He was just like, who do you have lined up for your video? Um, And I told him, I told him three people. And those three people have all been featured already. Yeah. So that part was my mistake. I I shouldn't have. Um, Everything before that part wasn't because that was public knowledge. Like, Mm -hmm. People knew that it was coming. It wasn't. It wasn't a thing. I. I let. Like I said, I let my readers decide. Um, so I think. I think he, as a fan, um, so so he said. But as a fan of the series, I think he already knew that was coming, and he wanted to see how much I would, you know, tell him, um, and I did. So that's a life lesson. That's that a life lesson. Just shut up. Just get, shut up. No, you hit <laughs> obstacles. <laughs> And some people you have to keep at bay, like yeah. Some people you trust, and some people—it's a learning experience. You have to go through downs like this. I would say up and downs, but you have to go through like downs like this to realize people's true characters and like how far someone will go to get ahead. Absolutely. And then be like, oh, okay. And you don't get angry at yourself. Like I know you're mad at yourself. It's one of those you don't get angry at yourself because it's a learning experience. So you only get angry at yourself if you do it again. It oh, was, yeah. It was the first time. <laughs> it was the first time offense. It's one of like, okay, bad. Cool. I understand now. <laughs> I see where you're at. I see where I stand. And I see how you move. Let me keep doing what I'm doing. And that's how you have to True. take it. You're good at this. Oh, well, it's going to be a psychiatrist at one point. But even though, like, shit, depression's still going to hit. <laughs> <laughs> Deadass. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's one of those you have to, like, sit back and, like, really reflect, like, why am I mad at myself? Like, it happened. So I could continue to be mad or I can do something about it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. All right, well, you're going to help me produce it. Blueprint's yes. going to come back. <laughs> you heard it here. Whatever you need help with. You heard it here. I'll try to figure out what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go from there. But, yeah, you're, no, you're definitely right. Um, Just got to, just got to fucking do it. Cause that what did what did Hope say in Harder City? I'm about to look. I have I save lyrics in my phone, y'all. Y'all should do that too. Um, let me see, let me see, let me see. Cause I know I have that somewhere. Let's see. Niggas pray and pray on my downfall, but every time I hit the ground, I bounce up like round ball. 
Okay. Um, so I guess this is one of those situations. You got to pay attention. I just got to bounce up. All right. Bounce back, bitch. Got it. So I'm, pretty sure it's happened, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's happened to them. plenty of people. Probably. The same I, not exact even thing. probably. It definitely has. It definitely has. Like, I'm not the first person that's been stolen from, and I definitely won't be the last. Um, I, I will say this. A part of the reason that this situation broke me the way it did is because I feel like I was at the precipice of success. Like, I feel like this was, I was just one piece away for a takeover, to take over exploding. Like, that's how I felt. And I knew that this was it, um, especially with the debut episode that I had planned. Um, so I felt like they took everything from me and I got myself into a space that allowed me to believe that every day. Like, y'all took this from me. You took this from me. You took this from me. Um, and I no longer, like, feel that way. I'm still angry. But I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like they were, they're going to be the reason for my downfall. If anything, it's going to be me because I've sat for three months, you know, and I allowed myself to sit in that depression instead of working through it. Also, Mercury was retrograde for a long-ass time this summer. <laughs> so I truly believe that that's the reason I was so crazy. So what do you want your legacy to be? The takeover. I just want people to, I want people to remember me as a pioneer, right? Like, I was a champion for so many of your favorite artists. And I can happily say that I've done that already for a bunch of artists that you guys hear on the radio. Um, I was their first opportunity, but I want to be able to do so much more than that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it. I want TakeOver to everyone to remember me and the takeover as a place where we you started here and we supported you forever. So before we go, you have to give us your dear black girl open letter. Okay. This was really hard to write. I I, <laughs> I, I, I cried twice because I felt like I was talking to myself. Um, and I'm going to keep it short and sweet because if it's long, we'll cry. Um, <laughs> but dear black girl, you were born with a magic that no one else possesses, resilience. When you fall, you'll get back up, bruised and maybe even a little battered, but definitely not broken. They may not want you to win, but you don't know how to do anything else. You are strong enough. You are smart enough. You are beautiful and you will succeed. Don't let anyone tell you different. Signed, Robin J.